Hi everyone. Um, so as you can hear and, and see, um, I'm not Mike. Um, so my name is Katrine Deckers. For those of you who don't know me, I set up SRF Europe last year. I'm based in the Netherlands and um, my son Bear, who is almost seven years old, um, was diagnosed with Syngap 1 in 2019. Um, so Mike asked me to do a Sync Up 10 podcast, um, which I reluctantly agreed to, um, because last week I attended the International Epilepsy Conference in Dublin um, with Olga, who came in from, from the US. Um, and, and just to sort of share my, my observations and, and sort of what the key messages were around that conference. Um, so for those of you who don't know IEC, um, it is a huge conference that attracts, um, you know, clinicians, researchers, um, pharma, basically everyone who sort of touches epilepsy, um, and they all come together and in, in three, four days, and there are a number of sessions on very, very specific topics, um, some which were really relevant to us and, and others like were less so. Um, we had a charity table there, um, which was really, really great. Um, so you're in this big hall with a, a number of other, other rare diseases or um, organizations, charities that are around rare disease and you will have all of the pharma big stands in the middle. Um, so we had a table with um, our SRF uh, sort of um, tablecloth over it, um, we were really visible. Uh, we had our medical documents, we had in, in Spanish and in English, which was really great. Uh, we had leaflets on Singap One. And we had a little bit of swag, like pens and, and stickers and that sort of thing. Um, and, and the whole idea, and, and, and which was really effective, was for you know, sort of clinicians that, that don't know Singap One, but we found often clinicians who have just recently gotten a patient, a Singap One patient, um, came by and, and said, you know, sort of, oh, I, I've just diagnosed my first patient, and um, who are you guys? So we told them about the charity and, um, and where they could get sort of more information. Um, so these, you know, sort of really from all over the world, like Israel, um, South Africa, Eastern Europe. Um, so a number of clinicians coming out to us saying, you know, said we just recently diagnosed our first or our second patient. Um, so it's a really great way to get in front of a global um, um, selection of clinicians and, and, and spread the word about SRF and all of the resources that are available on our website and, and, and through our patients. Um, so that was really good. The other thing that I, Mike touched upon this on his last um, podcast as well is that there was one sort of message that, that Olga and I kept on hearing throughout the conference, so when we were attending sessions, which was comorbidities are not comorbidities. So effectively, you know, sort of the, the um, seizures are not the only symptom. Um, and, and, and that I think is especially true for us because our seizures are not life-threatening um, and our other symptoms are actually, you know, sort of impacting our life much, much more than the seizures. Um, and so having sort of the, the, the top clinicians, researchers spread this word saying you need to spend more time on these other symptoms and not only focus on seizures when you are, when you have a patient with a rare disease. So when you have a patient with um, a DEE. Um, and, and that was a fantastic message to, to sort of hear that it's getting disseminated and that, that people are thinking about and people are aware about. 
Um, so that was really great. Um, one of the top tips actually from that was a neurologist who said, you know, sort of if you have a half an hour appointment, that is not a long, long time for a DE. You need to give um, patients of rare diseases longer appointments. So if you're coming up to your first appointment or you are you have a follow-up appointment and you actually need to you know discuss a whole list of symptoms um, ask for time and a half um, so that was a really really great tip um, from a clinician there um, so there were two important presentations on SYNGAP1 so the first was Dr. Eschemann um, she is a Austrian slash German um, clinician um, and researcher and she was presenting the finders of the Patra study that they had done last year. Um, so probably some of you actually might have taken this survey. Um, effectively what it was, um, they surveyed 230 Syngapians through a, a QR code, through an app. It was really, really easy. So you just, um, you got this app and you had a short list of questions and they were looking at what are the most important issues for parents and carers in terms of symptoms and what type of medicine, medications have Syngapians been on. Um, so sort of what they're currently on and what they've been on in the past. Um, and effectively produces this big list with positive and negatives on, on, on sleep behavior and epilepsy and cognition, I think they included in there too. Um, I will add her, uh, her slides to the show notes so you can all see them. Um, so th this was a really, really good study, and um, they're going to work this out further and, and try and split it out by phenotype and mutation and dosage. Um, so I'm really hopeful that this will sort of some, what, bring us close to actually what Dravet has, which is they have the sort of um, first line of defense medications, um, which are well known throughout the industry. You know, you, you have a patient with Dravet, you need to start with this and this and this. That doesn't work you go to the second line of defense for syngap one i'm hoping that you know sort of if it's this is worked out further by phenotype or mutation and and we can get a significant link there that we will also get this sort of first line of defense so that when you're visiting your neurologist for the first time and you've been diagnosed with epilepsy that they don't just give you whatever they think is best for treating generalized epilepsy that they have this list of, oh, actually for SYNGAP1, we should be trying you know this and this and this first because that is gonna be positive for these other um, symptoms. Um, so that was a good presentation and it was all, it's always nice to see her. Um, she's actually part of the EURES Consortium, which um, is the European Union. Um, they've given 8 million, so this is very recent, they've given 8 million euros um, for a group of researchers across Europe, so geographical Europe, to study SYNGAP1 and three other um, rare diseases. Um, so hopefully that more information will come out of that, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so that was really exciting and it was great to see her again. Um, so the other presentation was by Dr. Ali, who's in Dr. Andrada's team in Toronto and that was on their um, the recent adult phenotype study that they did um, so they were looking to see sort of if they could classify the adult phenotype obviously sort of there are almost all of our studies on syngap1 are on below 18 years old um, and and this was sort of a pure adult study um, and 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 she is um, she's recently gotten another grant from us and and she's going to work that out further 
which would be the first sort of comprehensive adult study for SYNGAP1. Um, so I'm really excited about that. If you have a Syngapian over the age of 18, please keep your ears and eyes open because we're going to be recruiting for that soon. Um, so she presented um, effectively sort of um, uh, a number of phenotypes of, of adults and, and Karen, was, um, Karen was in there as well. So she presented Karen's profile um, and, you know, so Karen's a bit of a celebrity in our world, but but for a room full of uh, neurologists, they had never heard of a 65-year-old Syngapian. I mean, that was a sort of a, a big surprise to them. And then the message that she sort of um, had sent them, which, which I really, really liked, is you are not too old for a genetic test. Um, and, and, and so I really, really hope that that came through and that um, you know adult neurologists who are seeing patients um, with are Syngap phenotypes, so if they present like Syngap, um, that they are still doing genetic tests on these patients and, and finding out sort of what is the cause um, of all of these symptoms. Um, so thank you again to Dr. Ali, and I got to meet her, which was great, um, and Dr. Andrada as well for continuing to look at Syngap 1. Um, so the last thing I kind of wanted to leave you guys with was there was this term that, that I heard a number of times at the, at the conference, and it really, really got to me. Um, so, so, you know, sort of, I, uh, we're four years after diagnosis, we're sort of pretty well adjusted. Um, we have our, our, you know, sort of, Bear goes to school, we have his therapies, we have sort of carers, we've got a good system in place. But every now and then, something will just come up and hit me, and I just think, I hate Syngap 1. I hate that this happened to my child. I hate that this is my life and, and this is my child's life. And I just get really mad and sad at the same time. Um, and so this term that I kept hearing at the conference sort of triggered that for me. And it was the, the term was polypharma. Um, so effectively just means when someone is on multiple medications. And so for DEEs like ours, the rare diseases, uh, you know, our kids are on anti-epilepsy medications, often two, um, you know, because um, one isn't working enough. Uh, we have to take things for sleep. We have things for aggression. We have things for behavior. Um, Bear's on three, and we're close to getting to him on, on a fourth. And I hate that my child is on four heavy medications. Um, I just hate it. And every time I heard that word, I it, it just... it. It made me really sad that, that my, my kid is dealing with this and I as a parent don't know the effects of, of having him on these medications for 20 years long plus, you know, 40 years long. What's that going to do to him? What's that doing to his health? What's that doing to other parts of his body, his gut? I don't know. Um, and um, so, so that was one of the things. I think the message is great. I was glad they were talking about it. You know, sort of um, think about, you know, sort of, effectively all of the medications that the kid is on and think about all the symptoms and not just your seizure medication. Um, the counter to that was the last presentation I attended was um, by Dr. Scott Perry um, and he gave an update on the um, Stoke Therapeutics trial for Dravet. Um, and, and what effectively sort of the word I kept hearing from that presentation was disease modifying treatment. Um, so we're talking now about a treatment that is not attacking the symptoms. It is attacking the cause. Um, so for the first time, we are able to treat the cause of the disease. And, and so we, Stoke 
is now in clinical stage one, two for Dravet and um, Syngap one is in their pipeline. And, and um, so I'm really, really excited that we are at a time that we are now discussing disease modifying treatment. Um, so I don't have to deal with polypharma for too long, I hope. Um, so that is my recap of the conference. Um, I hope Mike will be back with you soon. And um, I'm really excited to see lots of you in Florida. I'm going to be there um, and it would be great to connect again. Bye.